All right, I appreciate, uh, Kobe, I appreciate that prayer this morning. I appreciate the, the way you worded that on the heels of that song, man. Just the, um, the way that um, communicates our heart. We just need to know God more. The more we know God, the more that uh, it's going to change the way we react in life, the way we experience life. Um, so knowing God, is, you know, knowing religion doesn't do that for us. I love that song, man. Just We're done with that, right? Right? Yeah. We've had enough of, of religion. It doesn't do anything for you. But God, knowing God is what does it. And so... Um, Bill was telling me a story this morning. We were staying outside. I, I, I haven't been keeping up with anything. I've just you know, been out of the country, got back, and been flying. I'm flying, not flying literally, but doing things to try and catch up. And so just saw this morning the story about the, the kids, the soccer team in Thailand. That has, are you all familiar with that? That uh, has been trapped in a cavern. And uh, you know, they went down there hiking or whatever, and then a flood came and filled the place above them with water so they can't get out of this cavern and they've been there two weeks so they finally found them and they've gotten them food it's been a process but bill said something that he heard a quote man it was just so good for today uh so i want to i want to start off with that he's they were talking to one of the divers that they're going to go in and get these guys out apparently i I think they got four of them out this morning but they're going in they they have to they have to you know use uh gear breathe to breathe and come out and the the guy said what they do with fear how they react to the fear is going to decide whether they survive or not what they do with the fear of you know putting on the gear i guess getting underwater swimming out of there trusting the people that they're with whatever what they do with their fear will decide whether they survive or not if they panic then they will die and man, it's just, what a timely thing for me to hear this morning. I get goosebumps just thinking about it because it's so applicable to what we're talking about. And the song that we just sang, I mean, it just fits so perfectly. You know, I think, I think sometimes, and, and then the one before that, we talked about, you know, well, I guess it was the same one. We were talking about people want us to feel guilty. You know, they're constantly putting guilt on us because, you know, we can't measure up. We can't measure up. And faith and fear is one of those things. When it comes to faith, it's, it's people make you feel guilty Religious people try to make you feel guilty like you're supposed to have it already. And if you don't have it, you should pretend like you do have it, right? Like, oh, I don't have any fear. No, I'm not scared. You know, I got, I got all this courage because I'm a child of God. False, <laughs> right? False. We all have fear. Fear comes up. And, and, and so, you know, we're looking, we're looking in the book of Acts and we're trying to discover what does it look like to be a community that... Uh, a biblical community, first of all. What, what does biblical community look like when you, when you really are walking together in the Holy Spirit? And so the book of Acts has been the place that God sent us for this time and for a very specific purpose. Okay, church, I'll, everybody alert and ready? Because the purpose is for us to get this and apply it to this community. It does no good for us to get together and meet and, and talk about this stuff and and read the scripture, if we're not uh, making application to this stuff. And I just really have a fear 
that we're not. We're not, we're not making the application enough. We're, you know, so let's, let's, it's not about us trying harder. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit access to our lives to move and create these things in us. And we're going to see that today. Fear is not something you can handle. It's not something you can remove. And, and, it's not, and, and faith is not something you can build up in yourself. All of this stuff is the work of God. And that's the simple gospel is that God does that. He shows himself to us in a way that we don't have fear. You know, I'm sure if those boys could, could had, you know, had a, uh, a few months and years or whatever to, to see how this, uh, these divers, how good they are at what they do and, and, and how they're trustworthy and, and they could try it in some safe settings, you know, that uh, they could try doing a little diving, scuba diving here and there, that they would feel, uh, they would feel more comfortable. But they don't have that. All they have is the ability to trust in these guys with no knowledge of where they are, what they've done. And that's not what God does with us. God wants us to have experiences with him and build this faith up in us. So this is one of the most significant things. Man, figuring out what, what it looks like to be a fearless community or for God to, to put a sense of fearlessness in this community is going gonna, is gonna to decide in a lot of ways whether we are going to survive, thrive, live, and, and, and show the world around us, which is becoming a community that blesses, if the world around us is ever going to see that fear doesn't have to paralyze you, it's going to be through this community. It's not going to be through people out in the, in the, in, around them who don't know the Lord, who don't have a deep, intimate knowledge of Him by experience. They're not going to see people handling fear right. We don't know how to handle fear because we have still continued to take our, uh, our lifestyle from the people that we see around us. We, we look at how they deal with fear. And it doesn't matter how long you walk with God. Listen, it's so easy for us, for Satan, to take us and put us in a routine that uh, removes the opportunity, that helps us to forget about fear. I thought about uh, we, we just got back from Honduras, and Dario, uh, who some of you know and have been, been with, uh, who's our man on the ground in Honduras, he's been doing mission trips, uh, hosting mission trips for an organization in Louisiana for years. Well, they have pulled their support off of Dario. Now, Dario has, God blessed him. Uh, and when he shared his testimony, he said, man, it was such a blessing. He was, I think he was working as a, uh, the, he was over the, uh, carpools, uh, not carpool, but the cars, the vehicles for the U United States Embassy in Honduras. So he had a good job, he, and he's educated, has a college degree, and he was also pastoring a church part-time, but he didn't have time to do the pastoring because he was constantly having to work. And God provided this opportunity for him to not have to focus and not have to work anymore. So he quit his job, his wife quit their jobs, and they started working for this organization. Well, that organization's role is to do mission trips. That's what they do. Uh, they don't see missions the way we see. They don't do it the way we do it. But they, they have mission trips that they like to do. And so they bring people there. And there's a lot of good that comes out of that. But Dario's been, that's how he's made his living for the last 18 years. It's been when groups come, they provide some support. Uh, and, and so this organization has paid him to host groups. Well, now the groups have quit coming. And... He didn't want to admit that he was fearful, but he was. He was fearful because now he has no income. His church that he, that he pastors doesn't provide a salary for him. 
It's a very poor country, very poor people. There is no uh, retirement. There's no uh, social security system, even though he worked for the government. There's nothing. He has no income. And he's had to put his faith and trust in God. So when we went there, we didn't know what the Lord was calling us to do. We knew there was a few things that he wanted us to do, teach the pastors and do some ministry there. But the main thing that God had planned for us was to go and be the voice of God's community coming in and saying, we care about your needs. Now, I still don't know yet. The elders haven't met and we haven't discussed this. I don't know what all we're going to do. But here's what I know. God used the community of believers that surround him. We, he's a part of our community. He's like-minded. We've trained the pastors in Honduras to, to do gathering place-style ministry in these little village, remote villages all over Uganda, up in the mountains. And, and he's, one guy, he walked, he and his wife and a friend of theirs walked 12 hours to come to receive this stuff, to bring back. I mean, they're committed to this. But, his, but his, uh, he had fear. Warning God, you know, praying out, calling out to God in tears, calling out to God, God, what are we going to do next? How do we handle these? How do we handle our, our, our needs? And God led us to, to come and to say to him, man, we're going to pray and see what God wants us to do to provide for your needs. He said, I'm the first pastor that's ever, first person that's ever asked him what his needs were, which broke my heart. But God led that. That was God. It was not me. I'm not a special pastor. I just was following what God said to do, literally. <laughs> in a devotional that morning, I can show you in my journal. I'm reading this book called, called The Community, and it just said, just ask people what they need. That was exactly what I read. I wrote it in my journal, just ask Dario what he needs. I asked him what he needed, and he said, I'm the first person that's ever asked him what he needed. Now, that might not seem like much to anybody here. And some of you might be thinking, oh, we need to applaud Glenn because he did a good job. Let me, let me change the scenario for you. This is the way the Holy Spirit works in community. It, it is not about me. If it's about me, he's going to be depending on me again. He's already depended on people before. He needs to know that when he prays and asks God, that God hears his cry, and that's exactly what happened with him. He said, man, he sent me this beautiful note and said, whatever y'all do, it doesn't even matter. The fact that God heard me and sent you for that week, he said, I know God, God spoke through you. And God told me exactly what to say. That is how fear disappears. That's where fear goes. You know, now he's not worried about how. He's not worried about uh, where it's going to come from. He just knows this. He's reminded of this. The Holy Spirit knows about his need. And the Holy Spirit is going to reveal himself by taking care of his needs. Isn't that awesome? How we handle fear in this community. And many of you are facing fears right now. We have, you know, so many of you expressed in the last couple of weeks how circumstances have caused fear to rise to the surface. And you have an opportunity to handle it one of two ways. And it's just like that that diver was saying to, this, to the reporter, how you handle the fear is going to make all the difference in the world. You will either survive and thrive as a Christian or you're going to go backwards and down and lose faith and struggle and fight. And God won't give up on you. He'll give you more opportunities. But we need to be a community of believers that 
has no fear. I mean, that's what I'm praying for. God would just absolutely remove our fear. And so we need to know how that happens. And this community gives us a great example in the life of Paul. I've never read this story and taught it this way, but this is what the Lord has for us today. So let's pick up in Acts chapter 9. Let me just read what we closed with two weeks ago. By the way, uh, thank you, Bill, for, for your testimony last week. Man, what a great, powerful testimony of how we don't need religion, right? How the Lord can change our hearts even though we're stuck in religion, even though we've been, he's a pastor for 22 years. God gets a hold of us. Everything changes. Acts chapter 9, let's read verses 21 and 22 real quickly and remind us where we are in, in the story. So, all who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And, he, and has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? I'm talking, these, these are the disciples in Damascus that are saying this. I'm talking about Saul. But Saul, Scripture says, increased all the more in strength, and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. All right, so let's just remember. Paul had a tremendous encounter with Christ, there's no doubt, right? He had this awesome encounter on the, on the Damascus road. And, and Paul was enjoying now the, the, uh, the acceptance of the disciples. He begins to preach, and he's, and he's gaining strength as he preaches, and people are hearing him, and they're confounded by the things that he says because he preaches like Jesus preached. Remember when Jesus preached? Everybody said, how does he, how does he preach like one that has authority? How did, his preaching is so different than the scribes and Pharisees, and they had heard Paul preach, but Paul was preaching with a whole different uh, strength. And so Paul's gaining the support of the disciples of Damascus, and he begins to rock the world of the Jews that are listening to him preach. Now, I want to start there because everything seems to be moving in a positive direction. You know, all, it's all good. He had his great encounter with God. There's no doubt. He, he immediately, remember, immediately, not after training and discipleship, immediately he began to preach that Jesus was the Christ in the synagogues, in the face of opposition, he's preaching. And he's preaching and teaching, and he's gaining strength, and he's getting strong, and the disciples are starting to accept him now, and he's building this community with them. And then now it seems like the stage is set for this great, wonderful experience of just blessing and happiness and walking in life and singing in the morning and praising God in the afternoons and eating and fellowshipping with the, with the brothers. and Just a good, good experience. And he's all, you know, it'd be so easy for Paul to expect that that's the way life's going to be from now on. And so God has to do something in the community because they were all experiencing this. This There's a rising acceptance now of the believers who are, who are outnumbering uh, those Jewish uh, leaders that were opposing them. Now they're outnumbering them, and, and the Jewish leaders don't even want to do anything to them because they're scared that the people are going to rise up. And so they have this dilemma of do we say something, do we not? And now Paul of all people, the leader of the Jewish leaders has this encounter with Christ and becomes, starts preaching Jesus. I mean, they, everything's on their side, right? So let me just start there with us. This is a great church. There's nothing like the gathering place. I mean, I mean that. I, you, you guys know that. This is a wonderful, beautiful church. It's such a great idea that God had 
to put this together the way he's putting it together. We are an experiment with God, and it's been a beautiful, wonderful unfolding of the will of God and surprises after surprise for us. We don't know what, what we're doing. We just know that how to follow him, and he is doing so much. And it's good. It's so good. But you know what? Here we are in a time, the right time, in the right book, studying the right message, and God is saying to us, I'm glad you enjoyed that. That's my intent. Keep on enjoying it. But guess what? You're fixing to have some opposition. And when the opposition comes, you need to handle it correctly because you're either going to dive or you're going to rise up. One of two things is going to happen. Look, this is good. It's good that we have the fellowship of, the, of this body and that we can enjoy our life groups together. You know, and we do, do our home churches and then we get to come together and worship on Sunday. And, you know, it's, it's beautiful. What a great experience. But now we need to be prepared. God's telling us we need to be prepared because Satan is going to do something. He's going to do all that he can to bring a circumstance to produce fear in our life. Look at what happens in verse 23. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. They plotted to kill him. And Paul became aware. This became known to Paul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. So here's what's going on now. Paul understands, wait a minute. I'm serving God. I gave up everything to follow God. And we're having a great community together. And now I get this word that the Jews are plotting to kill me and they're, they're hiding out to find me. doesn't seem to fit if you don't understand the work of God and the opposition that Satan brings. We talked about this four Sundays in a row when we started this study to prepare ourselves. That Satan will always raise his head if we start being the community God wants us to be. Look, he doesn't mess with, he hasn't messed with some of us all of our lives because we, we haven't been any threat to Satan whatsoever. We've just been maintaining religion. Do you want to walk with God? you want to let the Holy Spirit fill you to change you and to change the world around you? Satan is going to show up, and one of the things he will do is bring fear. It's just a circumstance. There's no reason to fear. It's just a circumstance. But here's the circumstance, and all of us would have been afraid too if we would have found out that in the midst of our enjoying each other that, hey, somebody's trying to kill, is planning to kill you, and they're looking out for you. And then it ends up in that verse, verse 25 says, his disciples took him by night, but his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a, bas in a basket. Look, fear paralyzes people. Fear paralyzes people. It tells us that we can't accomplish the things that God has called us to do. Fear tells us that people won't accept us and, and, and that we, when we reach out, that they're going to reject us, that they're not going to hear what we have to say, and that, that they're going to make us look foolish. Fear tells us that people with power or position are always going to win regardless of what God calls us and tells us to do. It tells us we're not strong enough, smart enough, we haven't been trained enough. And ultimately, fear robs us, all of us, of peace and contentment, which is the whole thing that amazes this community. You want to see this community get, get amazed? It's when a circumstance rises up that should be causing fear in your life, and you are full of contentment and peace and joy, and it blows people's minds, right? So God wants that in his community. He's trying to build that here. And, and, it, and also because not only does it take, steal our peace away, but it also renders us ineffective. 
Satan knows, he knows that God has done something in Paul that's fixing to render him effective, that he's fixing to be the greatest missionary that ever lived. He's fixing to spread the message on missionary journeys all around the the known world in his day, that because of Paul, we were going to have over half of the New Testament and that we were going to be able to continue for the rest of history to be able to know about God because of his experiences. Satan knew that. So if he could render him ineffective by his fear of death, then that would be ruined. Paul would no longer be used of God. Paul is sitting in the cave, and he's in his response to to God's call on his life to come out and, and to be free and to, here's the plan, and to just follow the plan, his, his fear would, would cause him to die and be ineffective. Satan knew that. And fear does that to us. Fear paralyzes us. So what do we do with fear in the community of Christ? Because we have it. You have it. God teaches this message today in our text. So I want you to look at it with that in mind. God was teaching the church a valuable lesson that we need to hear. Y'all ready, church? Everybody still alert? This is something we need to hear. What to do with the fear. In this case, fear of men. In other cases, it might be fear of other things, but whatever. Some of you need to get your fear in mind today. You need to let it rise up. Bring it on up. Let it come. We don't have to fear as we follow the Holy Spirit. Because God is going to deliver us, and he's going to deliver us in a perfect way. And in both of these, the the cases we're going to look at today, God uses the community, as in the case where he used me in Dario's life this past week. This was God doing it. God sent us there. You know, it was easy because we just try to stay sensitive to the will of God. We don't have to know why we're going. We don't have to have a task when we go. That is not the old me. The old me had a task, and we went and accomplished a task, and God may or may not have been able to use me to accomplish his will, but now I don't care about that. So God can speak in the morning, and I can give that word, and it's the one. Maybe the whole purpose that six of us went. I I know there's more than that. But that's God's purpose for Dario, and it was accomplished. So in, in, in these cases, God uses community. So we don't have to fear when we follow the Holy Spirit. God is going to deliver us, and it's going to be in the perfect way. No matter what our circumstances are, no matter what they're shouting out to us, God is absolutely in control. Satan wants to fill our hearts with fear and doubt because that will be the only way to rob us of the blessing of peace and rest and to rob us of the opportunity to be involved with God in the work that he has for us. God wanted to teach Paul something by experience that would affect the rest of his life. Okay, now stop. Pause. It's not enough for me to teach you a lesson and you to understand what the Bible is saying. This is not a biblical truth or doctrine to understand that will transform your life because you got it in your head. Everybody with me? Paul did not learn this lesson in his head. He had to have an experience with God that would show him the reality of who God would be in the midst of his circumstances so that his fear would be taken away. Did everybody hear that? It's not about you learning some truth about fear. It's not, here's what the Bible says about fear. The word fear means blah, blah, blah. No, we're not there. We're talking about life. We're talking about being the community that God calls us to be. That would not have been enough for Paul. Paul understood all the theology and doctrine. He had all of that. But what happens is God allows, first of all, a threatening experience to arise in Paul's life. We can't deal with fear if we don't feel it. 
You can't really deal with fear from a distance. Some of you have some experiences right now, circumstances in your life that's caused fear to rise up. And you have to have that, so embrace it. God allows this to happen. You think God's not powerful enough to have dealt with the Jews, have destroyed the Jews and destroyed all the threats and allowed it to just rise up in that way? No, but he's doing something in Paul. A circumstance must come that causes fear to rise to the top. And we need to see that we have the fear and then admit it and then let God deal with it. Y'all with me? Quit trying to explain your fear away. Quit trying to... Don't let Satan rob you. Look, Satan would have us feel guilty and ignore that we have fear in our lives and then pretend like we don't have it, especially those of you that are pastors. You know, those of us that are elders in this church, we, you know, we're supposed to have it together. I'm not supposed to have fear, man. When God finally started dealing with me about that, I've, I've shared this story before, but I realized God showed me signs in my body of when I was fearing because I would never admit it. I didn't want to admit that I had fear because that made me a weak pastor. And so God would show me signs in my body. I'd be in bed at night, and my foot would do like this, just constantly moving. Of course, I do that to go to sleep anyway, like a cricket. But, <laughs> but I'd be in the middle of the night, and I couldn't go to sleep. And, I, and, and my blood pressure would come up, and I could feel it in my body. And I was resisting the fact that I had fear. If we ignore it, then we can't deal with it. God wants that fear to come to the surface. Okay, and God will use Satan for that purpose. Don't let Satan have victory when the fear comes up by, by feeling guilty because you're not, not supposed to have fear. You're not not supposed to have fear. You are human and you will have fear when it rises up. And there are different circumstances. You'll have, you may have no fear of man, but then all of a sudden the fear will come up about finances and you've got fear of that. Or you'll have no fear of finances and all of a sudden the fear will come up about a relationship and you have fear of that. God's going to bring it to the surface, and every one of those kinds of fear is an, that comes up is an opportunity for God to, just like a refiner's fire, boils, you know, boiling gold, and the dross rises to the top. It's just God, you and God together, staying connected while he skims that dross off the top. So God takes care of the life-threatening situation for Paul in an unexpected way. God, you know, Paul knows that it's God because those disciples were scared to death of him. They hated him. He came to, to put them in jail. And you hear their testimony here. They're still fearful of him. But they're the ones that end up saving him, lowering him in a basket. And so what's significant about that? What's significant about that is that there was a fearful circumstance, and Paul saw God handle it by himself. He saw God pull the community together to take care of, of his issues so that God, Paul could know, oh, okay, God's got this. And he and my brothers and sisters in Christ are going to be used by God to help me. I got it. Did he understand it? We're going to see in a little bit that he did. And, and it's, I found, I discovered something this morning, which I'm going to share with you guys in a little bit, that, that proves that this text and the way that we're going with it is exactly the way God wanted us to go with it. I love it when that happens. Wasn't a plan. All right, so, but before we do that, let's look at how he teaches the same lesson to the disciples. All right, so the disciples in, chapter, in verses 26 and 27 says this. And when they had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, 
and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So Paul's attempting to now join the disciples. Two points here, quickly. Number one, these are the disciples. This is the 12 now. This is not the disciples of Damascus. This is the disciples of Jerusalem. This is the 12 apostles, the rock-solid ones, right? They're going to give us the New Testament. They're all going to die for their faith, and they're scared of Paul. Okay? Y'all feel a little bit better about yourself? When the fear comes up, no need to deny it, feel guilty. They did too. And we got testimony of it right here. The disciples are feeling fear. So how does God handle it? He handles it in the same way. They were afraid of him, and Satan filled their minds with doubt that he was a disciple. And so what does God do? It was time for the disciples to learn that, what Paul learned about God's sovereignty as it relates to fear. And so God brings a person in the community, Barnabas, somebody they knew, a son of encouragement is what his name means. He is an encourager, is who he is. Uh, and, they, and they bring Barnabas, who had encouraged all of them. They all trusted and loved Barnabas. Remember, they talked about Barnabas being one of the first ones that was elected with Stephen to, to help take care of the needs of the people in the community because he was a man full of faith and wisdom and, and full of the Spirit. I mean, and he always spoke encouragement to people. He was selfless, a great man of encouragement. So they all trusted him. And so God sends him of all people. Why? Because God knows what he's doing. God wants them to know that he's got this. Okay, guys, so when you start having fear rise up in your life regarding whether or not it's a safe thing to obey God in a certain way or walk with God in a certain plan or do a certain ministry that's never been done before, and you got people who are in the church who are rising up against you and saying it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong, you guys are, are, are way off, you're missing the boat, and God's saying, no, you're in the right boat, and then God brings a Barnabas into your life. He brings the community around you to be able to say this is right. I love what God is doing right now in Ruston. I love it. Uh, some of you, thank you, uh, Levi and, and Carly and Kobe, for going to encourage them, but I, that was a surprise to me. You know, the fact that y'all wanted to go and do that and be there, uh, and their response was a surprise to me. I didn't know that they needed y'all. It's nothing about you. You're not special. Remember, God doesn't need us. That was last Sunday's lesson. But the Holy Spirit knew what they needed. And while I was in Honduras wondering what they were going to do while I was gone, God brought the right people. And the stories that y'all shared were the right stories. And the things that you said were things they needed to hear. And they haven't quit talking about it about how God showed up and revealed to them what they can't learn because they don't have this community around them. You guys have no idea how, how wonderful it is to have a community of believers who are, I mean, you know, you know, I'll, I'll take it back. You do, but, you, but I didn't realize to the degree that I do now how much easier it is for us to embrace the things of God when you have a body of believers around you saying, you're going the right direction, man, don't give up. Just keep on doing it. I know it sounds stupid. I know it's, I know I know everybody's saying that's not logical, that's not, you know, it doesn't seem right. Do it. And you got people saying, do it. And you're going like, all right. Stay, if you stay around those people, you're going to keep doing it. God brings those people into your life. He brought some of you here because there's some things, plans that he has for you that this community needs to help you to accomplish. So disciples had to learn it too. They didn't learn it in their brains. They didn't have a Bible study on fear and, and, and faith. God used Barnabas, a son of encouragement, who showed up and stood up for Paul. So in both of these cases, the Holy Spirit does something through the community to, review, to remove fear. For Paul, he used the actions of the disciples in Jerusalem. For the apostles, 
He used the testimony of Barnabas, a trusted man of encouragement, and he still does that today. Y'all with me? He still does that. The words of the community, of encouraging members of the community, increase our faith and diminish our fear. Now, they understood the message was not that the community moves, removes fear. They saw that this was consistent with what the Holy Spirit had been doing. It's not the community that removes the fear. The Holy Spirit was revealing truth about himself. And they both got it. Paul got it. The disciples got it. They realized that this, wasn't, this, this didn't cause them to be dependent upon the community. The beauty of having community is not that I have accountability so that they can tell me what I should and shouldn't do. The beauty of a community is that they are, we are all, only if we're all in tune with the Holy Spirit and we're seeking His will and we're leading each other to pursue God's will, that's where this community becomes valuable. Paul got that and so did, so did the disciples. And we know that because now they go on and live their lives by putting their faith in God, whether He uses the community or not. Sometimes it's God just acting on their behalf and sometimes it's the community, but they continue to move forward in that. So in Acts chapter, let's look at the results here. Acts chapter 9, right, verses 28 and 29. So they went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly, uh, he went, sorry, Paul, in the name of the Lord, and he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. So y'all, y'all know who the Hellenists were? Remember, these are the, the Greek-speaking Jews who were the, the, the same ones that killed Philip. Where was Paul when they killed Philip? Huh? He was right there, holding their cloaks, right? Paul was there giving approval, and he knows that when these dudes get fired up about something, they will kill somebody. And he goes to them. Something happened. Something happened in Paul's life regarding fear. There's no fear in this guy. It's the experience he just had previously. And now he's acting on the knowledge that he gained about the Holy Spirit through that first experience when he got lowered to safety. You know, he processed it in his mind, and you will too when you allow the Holy Spirit to to take your fear away. You will process, process it in your mind, and you will get to the point where you realize it doesn't really matter if I'm in a fearful situation, if I'm in a dangerous place, or I'm risking something because God's Holy Spirit, as long as he's leading me, he is there to protect me and take care of me. And if I die, I die. You start, your perspective begins to change. So God reveals himself. He goes after the Hellenists, the ones that stoned Philip, in his presence. That's the results. All right, look at the results for the disciples in verse 30. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Now, so, so they risked their lives by going and get Paul and rescuing him again. Now, this is, these are the ones that were just scared of Paul the day previous, or that day, were scared of him until God increased their faith. So it gave them experiences, and this, now this fearless, of, fearless community is being built. A fearless community is not built by strong preaching. A, a fearless community is not by you seeing everybody else's experiences and how God provides for them and takes care of them. A fearless community is built when every one of us, each one of the members of the gathering place, has that circumstance that brings fear up and you don't ignore it and you don't feel guilty and resist it and pretend like you're not fearful and you let God take that out of your life. You let God show you what what he is in the middle of your fear. You let God show you what he is. 
And when he deals with you and he shows you himself, who he is in this world and in, in your life, that's where fear disappears. And that's where, and, and you get a community of, let's just say, we've got about 70 people in here this morning, 80 people, whatever. Let's say 80 people have their own encounters with God. And we learn from our experience this lesson so that tomorrow or this week, God puts every one of us in some circumstance that we would never go into because of fear, and we realize we don't have fear anymore because we trust God. We know him in an experience where we feared before. we got to have these experiences. They, they change, and we need that in this church. And here's the surprise that I had this morning. I was thinking, you know, how did this change Paul long term? All right, this is one experience and then another right behind it. I wanted to show that because he's progressing. But he progresses in this. Paul deals with fear in every kind of situation you can think of. And so I, I, was, I remembered this morning, this morning now. Y'all with me? Because this is going to be cool for all of you if you pay attention. All right, I mean, you're going to have a little goosebumps with me probably. Y'all want some goosebumps? All right. So I'm saying as a result of this message that the word that God gave me this week was that just like in anything else, when we abide in Christ and we do what he says, he reveals himself to us, and that changes us, okay? So in this case, it's fear. fear. Circumstance arises. Fear should be there. Instead, with the faith that he has, Paul and then the disciples operate in that, and God shows them that he is all-powerful, in control, cares about them. He knows what's going on. Nothing can happen without him uh, approving of it. So they have that knowledge. All right? So I just think that one experience led them both to understand who God was in the next. That's, that's the abiding cycle. But look at what Paul says. In 1 Corinthians, so I was thinking all those things that happened to Paul. All the, he, he mentions, in, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He mentions all these terrible things that have happened to him in his life that he faced because of his faith in God and his ministry to be faithful to the call of God in his life. So let's look at it. And I want to look at the, the last thing that he says. So 1 Corinthians 11, 24 to 33. So here's, here's what happened to him. Five times he received, not just was threatened, but he received at the hand of the Jews that he was freed from earlier, 40 lashes, less one. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once he was stoned. Three times he was shipwrecked. A night and a day he was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from his own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst and without food and cold and exposure. (laughs) All All those circumstances rose up, and he continued to be faithful. He said, apart from, and, and apart from other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I'm not weak? Who is made to fall and, I'm not, uh, and I am not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Okay, he's embracing the weakness that comes up inside of him, of fear and anxiety. He says, because the Lord and the Father of the Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever knows that I'm not lying, at Damascus, the governor of the king, Aretas, was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me. Verse 33, but I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands. 
<laughs> Y'all getting it? Did y'all see that? Look? All right. So here's Paul saying the same thing that God said prior to me reading that this morning. Is that his experience of being let down, not by the disciples, by the Holy Spirit through the disciples, made him trust in the Holy Spirit in such a way that he would take shipwrecked and beaten, beatings and stonings and, and uh, all this junk that he describes. And it all comes back to that first experience where he said, they let me down in a basket. You know, those guys, those, those little boys that are sitting in a cave today are the four that just got out. They're going to face a lot of stuff in their life. I can almost promise you they will never face anything that they will ever fear like they fear today, like they feared for the last two weeks. I can promise you those guys will be changed by the fact that they got rescued. I mean, things that everybody else fears, they'll, they'll go like, are you serious? I was in a cave for two weeks, Right? You're not going to be able to do that until you get in your own cave and admit that you're there and admit that you can't get yourself out and you cry out to God in honesty and say to God, I fear, I am afraid, I need you to help me and, and I'm watching to see what you tell me to do and whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to obey with the faith that I have and so show yourself in a way that takes my fear away because I don't want to live the rest of my life paralyzed by fear with no joy, no contentment, no peace. And the people began to live in peace. Here's, here's the final word. Remember, we, God wants us to be a community that blesses. God doesn't want the fear to be out of our lives just so that we can enjoy peace and contentment. He wants the world around us to enjoy peace and contentment. And there is none. There is none around us. There's, there may not be any in us, among us. But look what he says in verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. You want to talk about what's going to happen when we start understanding that we don't need to fear man, that we don't need to fear circumstances that really all we need to do is increase our respect and our uh, love for and fear of the Lord. And we've already talked about what fear of the Lord was about. We sang it this morning. Thanks for that song. <laughs> Being afraid of God means that we respect Him, we trust Him, that we have no fear of man because our, our confidence and trust in God is so strong. That's fearing God. They shifted their fear. And look, for, for too long, y'all, as we close, listen, for too long, the church, not the world, the church has said, we need to fear. We need to fear our circumstances. We need to grab control. We need to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We need to have more faith. We need to quit fearing, whatever the circumstances are. The, the church has told us that we can control this stuff. And the truth is, until we come to know God, 
as the one that removes all of our fear. We begin to respect him as being in absolute control of everything. And trust him that even if he brings hardship into our life or allows it, regardless of what it is, that ultimately it's going to bless us. Paul didn't regret any of this stuff. He thanked God for his weakness. And, and don't, don't lie to yourself or let Satan lie to you to say that you're not Paul. You are Paul. This past week I was reading, I think it was utmost, it's talking about how we write ourselves off as not being like the apostles. You are like the apostles. You have everything they have. That's a lie from Satan. Satan can take, he wants, he can do the exact, I mean, God can do the exact same things in your life that he did in the apostles' lives. It just means we need to walk with him a little while. Let's walk. You know, the more we have, the more experiences we have with God, the less fear we're going to have. The less fear we have, the more confidence we have, the more joy we have, the more contentment we have, the less that circumstances throw us off and make the world say, oh, okay, I see, you have faith like everybody else. Because we do, until God builds more in. But if we'll start being determined to take whatever risk God tells you to take, walk in the, in the Lord, don't just go out there and be a kamikaze Christian and say, I'm determined, I'm going to go do the hard things for Jesus. It's not what we're saying. It's when God says, you do. It's when God asks, you do. And then you watch. Pay attention around you to see what he's doing, to take care of you, to protect you, to let you know he's in control. Dario learned a great lesson this week. He learned a great lesson. He, tell, he gave me, sent me a beautiful email telling me about what he learned about God and God's faithfulness to him, how much God loves him. I'm so thankful to see that and thankful to know that, that I could still hear a, a word from the Lord and give it to somebody. And in community, we need to be that for each other, not giving each other our own wisdom, but leaving each other to continue to pursue God together. And when God says something, encourage people to do the crazy stuff. Encourage them to do the crazy stuff. It's, it's, you know, it's hard sometimes because we think they're legitimately crazy. But God knows what he's doing. and We all have to flesh it out in our lives, so let's do that. All right, I'm going to close with this because Camille's here today. This is such a beautiful thing, man, when God, uh, when God does things. Just I remember a story, and Camille and Em are here from Colorado. So Camille, uh, I want to tell you, tell you her story and how she ended up in, in uh, oh, a part of this. I don't know how all she ended up, but she ended up with our missionaries in Uganda. So I already knew Camille. Camille had been to our house. She was part of the herd, uh, this group that Todd was ministering with. She came to our house a number of times. We got, got, you know, uh, got to know her. So we're friends on Facebook. And she posts on Facebook one day that she's gone to Uganda. And so I message her. I said, who, who are you going to work? She said, I'm going to work with some missionaries in Uganda. So I said, who are you going to work with? Kenneth and Christy Williams. No way. That's our people, right? So we connected. And, and uh, just, again, God just using that in community to confirm that we're all together serving and working with him and how he provides and takes care. She ended up spending, what, three years? Okay, one. One year. One year in Uganda. But she's, yeah, it's a lot longer than us. But spent a year in Uganda uh, working with them. And now she's with them in Colorado. And just, you know, again, I know that there's fear tied. I know the fear of going to Uganda to, to the, the Karamajan people, all people, you know, in a place where they're known as being uh, violent warriors who have, no, have not received the message of Christ tribal Africa, 
what encouraged her? I can tell you one thing that encouraged her is the story of the Williamses who felt led to go to Uganda while Christy was eight months pregnant with her fourth, fifth, fifth, fourth, fifth child. Yeah, number five. They had had so many experiences with God of faith prior to that. And they were, you know, there's nothing for them to, they, do, they, they know what to do with fear. They just go. And there's such an encouragement to everybody because they just operate on what the Lord says. So, you know, our, our community is having that kind of effect around the world. It's not just here. You know, when we go, when we went and spent uh, a night and a morning with Camille and, and the Williamses on vacation, it's just, I can't tell you how encouraging that is to us. That we all talk the same language. We all speak, I mean, this is probably the first time you've been in a church in a while, huh? <laughs> because house churches is what we do in Colorado, right? It happens in a home, you know, this is, this is different for them, but it's just so cool to see, you know, I was trying to describe to them how this, how it's different here, you know, God's called us to continue to meet together, so now you got to experience, you know, what you do over there in a corporate setting. But just know, guys, I mean, this is, God is working in all of this. And I know today some of you have had the word that you need. And the word that you need is a word to act on what you already heard from the Lord. And you just need to do it. I just want to encourage you to do the crazy thing. If you need more encouragement, ask your life group or the people around you, and they will tell you the same thing. Do what God tells you to do. And let's continue to become the community that God wants to use to bless the people around us. Okay, let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you for this great lesson from your word. Thank you for confirming this morning, uh, this message again, that this is what you had planned for us. Lord, it's, um, it's so fresh to know that you care for us and that you speak to us and that you care about this community. And so, Father, I pray that this, this message will ring in our hearts all week long, that we will deal with our fears in the way that you gave us wisdom to do today. That your Holy Spirit would show himself in our lives, removing fear, giving us confidence and trust in you to be able to do whatever it is you call us to do. God, I know that there are more crazy things you want for us to do as a church that are going to be way outside the box. And Lord, I'm so ready for that, I think, I hope. But if not, God, the only way I'm going to get ready is you just continue to work in me. Not in my mind, but in my heart. So God, grow us to become this community that blesses by making us a fearless community. In Jesus' name.